You're listening to The Honest Report. A weekly podcast analyzing media coverage of the Arab-Israeli conflict, anti-Semitism, and radical Islamic terrorism. Here's your host, Rob Walker. I'm Robert Walker, and welcome to The Honest Report podcast. Today, our guest is Dr. Mordechai Kadar. Uh, Dr. Kadar has served for 25 years in IDF military intelligence, specializing in Syria, Arab political discourse, Arab mass media, Islamic groups, and Arab, Israeli Arabs. He's an expert on the Muslim Brotherhood and other Islamist groups. Um, Dr. Kadar, welcome. Nice to be here. So Dr. Kadar, I mean, certainly you have your finger on the pulse very well, uh, not just uh, internally in Israel, but very much on the uh, on the Arab and, uh, and Islamic world as well. Uh, obviously, there's a hundred different topics we could chat with you about, but uh, really wanted to speak to, uh, we have uh, Yom Hatzmud, Israel's 74th uh, birthday is, uh, is approaching. I'm sort of curious from your perspective, uh, where Israel finds itself now uh, versus, let's say, two or three years ago, uh, sort of geopolitically, uh, uh, what is uh, sort of, uh, what kind of situation does Israel find itself in right now? Well, as you know, we live in the Middle East, and the Middle East is a very complicated area, uh, and it changes uh, rapidly. Uh, the situation today is that there is a country which became an empire in the Middle East, uh, which is Iran. And Iran became an empire by annexing Iraq, Syria, Lebanon to the north from Israel, northeast from Israel, Yemen in the south. And Iran has much to do with Gaza, with the state of Gaza, as it is factually. And Iran threatens the countries which in between Yemen in the south and the northern tentacle of this octopus, which is Iraq, Syria, and Lebanon. And in between, they have Jordan, Saudi Arabia, Emirates, Bahrain, and Israel. And this is what their plan, to annex everything and to destroy everything uh, which doesn't obey the orders. And this, unfortunately, the world has not yet understood that this is the intention of the Iranians to rebuild the Iranian empire or the Persian empire as it was thousands of years ago. And they are talking about this. They don't even try to hide it. They say it out loud. They admit this is their goal and they are actually working day and night in order to fulfill this goal. And um, the world is rushing to come to all kinds of agreements with them to allow them to develop nuclear weapons. The world ignores their long range missiles, which today already can reach New York and maybe Toronto as well. Um, they are spreading havoc all over the Middle East in order to topple the states which still do not belong to this empire in order to uh, annex them. And the world is oblivious, sleepwalking uh, in front of, uh, of this uh, phenomenon which we see today. And whoever 
reads what they write and listens to what they say can very easily understand it. Unfortunately, the world doesn't want to listen and the world doesn't want to look. So, uh, but this isn't a new phenomenon, of course. I mean, the uh, the Islamic Revolution happened uh, in Iran, of course, in 1979. And certainly in, for a number of years, uh, Iran has been uh, funding and arming uh, Hezbollah, uh, has been, uh, you know, involved with uh, Hamas and Islamic Jihad. Well, what's new now versus five or even 10 years ago vis-a-vis Iran uh, and their ambitions in the Middle East? What's almost new now is the fact that the state which should have done something about this means the United States of America, the bastion of democracy, modernism, um, human rights, and uh, you know normal normal life, actually succumbs as we saw uh, in, in the negotiations of Indiana, uh, succumbs to the behavior and the demands of the Iranians. And it is mind boggling. Why should America, why should the United States of America uh, uh, succumb to these Ayatollahs who look at America and the United States as the big Satan, while Israel is the smaller Satan? And really, I, I have absolutely no explanation to the behavior of the administrations of Obama formerly and, and currently and currently uh, uh, Biden. But uh, but certainly, I mean, as far as uh, Israel's concerned, I mean, obviously uh, Israel can't sort of uh, offshore its uh, its security and its um, and its safety to uh, to other countries. What, you know, how is Israel looking at the situation uh, in uh, in Iran? And not just Iran, in, in their tentacles, as you said, uh, throughout the region. Well, Israel for years tries to slow down or even to hit the military nuclear program of the Iranians by all kinds of means. And, but unfortunately, Israel did not do much about the strategic issues because Israel actually worked on the tactical level in order to stop or to damage the nuclear military program. But Israel did not do much about the strategic issue Hmm. of the empire which I described to you. And this is something which I have, I have no explanation why Israel allowed it or didn't do much about this. But in order to face it, you have to recruit populations. You have to establish relations with militias, local militias in, 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 in Syria, in Iraq. And the Israel as a democratic state doesn't do these things. So do you think that Israel has been too focused on the Iranian nuclear program specifically uh, as opposed to its uh, its sort of nefarious uh, activities in the region? Uh, when I mean when I mean it's a nuclear program specifically, I mean Israel's sort of public diplomacy, et cetera. It's all about its uh, uh, its uh, its campaign that way. But I think for a lot of people who read, uh, you know, newspapers in the West, they don't often hear about uh, Iran's involvement with Hezbollah and the Houthis, etc. Is that your perception as well? Yes, this is this is actually how you put it. Israel actually tried to negotiate with Iran or to to deal with Iran on the tactical level by dealing with the military nuclear program, while Israel maybe Israel could not do much, but in my view. Israel did not uh, pay attention enough 
to the build-up of the empire, which today uh, includes already four states and one state on the make, which is Gaza. So what is, you know, almost sounds like an oversimple question, but uh, what is the biggest threat to, uh, to Israel from Iran? Is it the nuclear program um, that Iran is going to fire sort of intercontinental ballistic missiles uh, at Israel from Tehran? Or is it that those weapons are going to end up in the, uh, in the hands of uh, group like Hezbollah in, in Lebanon? No, the, Israel is not afraid of the nuclear weapons per se, because uh, according to all kinds of uh, foreign media, Israel also has this kind of weapons. And if Iran uses it, Israel can use it as well. And, you know, for a uh, second hit. Uh, so, but uh, nuclear weapons usually are used to deter uh, countries from interfering in domestic issues, just like today happens with North Korea, uh, which uh, has a very, allegedly have, has a nuclear nuclear weapons, and uh, so nobody messes with them, and nobody uh, in, gets involved in whatever they do there, especially in the issues of human rights. While uh, uh, Libya, means Gaddafi, gave up on his nuclear program, and uh, he was hit by the Americans and by the Europeans. The same the same happened with Ukraine. Ukraine gave up on its nuclear weapons as it could, uh, could hold them after the collapse of the Soviet Union. And uh, look what happens today. It's already 19, in 2014 when uh, Russia took over the Crimean Peninsula. Mm. So, and this is, imagine if the Ukraine kept nuclear weapons, nobody would mess with this, with, the, with Ukraine. So uh, Iran learned the lesson and they learned that a, a country with nuclear weapons, nobody messes with it. So mm. this is why they, they want the nuclear weapons, so they can do whatever they like without uh, any interference from another power in the world. I mean, based on that, that, that understanding, though, of course, you know, uh, Ron would be looking at Israel and says Israel has or is reported to have nuclear weapons. Um, why is Israel or why is Iran uh, sort of messing with it then? Shouldn't that be a... Um, a disincentive to get involved, or, or is that the reason they haven't decided to directly engage with Israel and they're working more through intermediaries Look, instead? A, a nuclear weapon is not something which you use. Nuclear, a nuclear weapon is something which you hold uh, to use only as the last resort before you are being eradicated. This mm -hmm. is uh, more or less what nuclear, nuclear weapons are, because if you, if you use it, you know, on just because somebody attacks you, it's not enough. Uh, so uh, uh, the fact that Israel has it does not deter Hezbollah from uh, shooting at us once in a while, and we see it. However, if Israel says that thousand, look, they have a stockpile of allegedly uh, 150,000 missiles. So let's assume that we have a war with them for 150 uh, days. So every day they can, they can uh, uh, you know, shoot at Israel a uh, thousand uh, missiles. Thousand mm -hmm. missiles on Israel is way much worse than nuclear weapon mm -hmm. because the destruction and the, the problem which thousand 
missiles on one day falling on Tel Aviv, Haifa, Jerusalem, uh, is a tremendous problem. So if Israel declares that such a thing will be considered as a nuclear uh, attack, they might uh, be deterred by this, because if, if Israel considers this as, as a nuclear attack, it allows Israel to retaliate with nuclear weapons, which Israel allegedly has. So this is what I mean. A, a, a nuclear weapon is not something which you use. It is something which you deter, you deter with. And so how? Yeah. No, I was going to ask. So that how would you rate Israel's um, deterrence uh, efforts so far vis-a-vis -vis Iran? Have they been mostly successful? I mean, we've been sort of obviously hearing about uh, Iran's uh, nuclear efforts for for a number of years. Has the fact that Iran hasn't achieved that been a success of Israel's deterrence efforts, or the fact that we're still talking about it has been a failure? How, how do you see it? Well, uh, Israel in, failed and succeeded at the same time. It failed to, or it succeeded to, to make sure that Iran does not retaliate against Israel when Israel attacks the Iranian militias and the Iranian forces in, in Syria, for example. Mm. Uh, Israel uh, hit in Syria once in a week, more or less, uh, the average. And um, the Iranians do not retaliate, apparently because Israel has some kind of deterrence vis-a-vis -vis the Iranians. However, on the other side, Israel failed in preventing the Iranians for on, on, in spreading their uh, hegemony over Syria and Lebanon, Iraq, Yemen, and Gaza. Means on one side, Israel deters them, so they don't retaliate. But on the other side, they, in a very sneaky way, send their troops, the militias, to settle in these areas, except for Gaza. And uh, this is how they, they actually take state by state. And in this case, Israel did not succeed to stop it. And so what do you see changing, uh, obviously, in the next, uh, let's say, the next year or two? Uh, do you see Iran being more forceful, uh, more vocal, uh, more muscular in its, uh, in its efforts to extend its influence in the region? Or is, or, or is it about solidifying the gains that it has made over the last decade? Well, it all depends on the administration. Sorry, just a minute. It is my WhatsApp, I cannot stop it. We'll get back to him. All right, you want me to ask okay, that I'll, question I'll, again? I'll say it again? Let me ask that question uh, again. No. Okay, I, I know the question, I'll, I'll answer it from now. Okay. It all depends on the American administration. If they lift the sanctions from Iran, if they give the nuclear agreement with Iran, if they succumb to the Iranian uh, demands and allow Iran to send again oil and gas and, and to make much money, it means that the American administration allows the, the Iranians to go forward with everything which they want to do, including 
the military nuclear program. How do I know? Israel, uh, uh, Israel gave the, the evidence to, to everyone that the Iranians are actually cheating by showing the archive which Israel stole, the archive of the nuclear program, which Israel stole from Iran. And Iran and Israel showed how the Iranians were bluffing, were conning, were cheating the world for many years by developing all kinds of things which they never declared. And uh, by giving them more time with this uh, nuclear agreement, if, God forbid, uh, uh, the administration, the American administration, returns to this uh, agreement, they will do it. They will continue to cheat the world and continue to develop nuclear weapons in spite of the fact that they signed the non-proliferation treaty. And this is what is mind-boggling. They, they lie to the world time and again. And, and everybody who, who negotiates with them knows it very well that these people are liars, compulsive liars. But everyone who is nominated to negotiate with them thinks that he will be more, let's say, wise or more witty uh, with them, and they will not be able to con him. Only to find out that they conned him just like they did to his predecessors. Now, as we've seen from the last few weeks of the the war in Ukraine, um, it's interesting in terms of the uh, Western sanctions, I think we've seen that a lot of them have been quite blunted as long as you have uh, China, which by many accounts is already the world's largest economy in many respects, uh, continues to trade. Um, so is there sort of outreach that Israel is doing with, uh, with, with China uh, to, uh, to help convince them that they should also be uh, you know, pull, putting the strings on Iran? Because I think that if the US alone is doing that, and I think that as their share of the global economy continues to decline, their impact is going to be commensurately limited. Is Israel, does Israel no recognize that, that fact as well? Look, it's not only China which is in bed with the Iranians, the Europeans as well. The Europeans are in bed with the with Ayatollahs. They are invested in Iran big time. And they don't want to lose their, their investments. And they are afraid that if the regime in Iran will change, their investments will go to hell because the next regime will tell them that we don't know about your investments. Go to them, to the mullahs, and get your money mm. back. And this actually what happened with, with Saddam Hussein. The European Union, or the countries of the European Union, lost $30 billion or euro uh, in Iraq uh, when Saddam Hussein was, was kicked out and then was uh, executed because the regime which came after Saddam Hussein uh, said, said to the uh, Europeans, we know nothing about your money. Go to Saddam Hussein and get your money back mm -hmm. after he was hung up. So uh, the, the, the Europeans uh, learned their lesson not to uh, uh, topple regimes which they invested in. And this is why they are more than willing to support the Ayatollah's regime on the expense of the Iranian people. 
who are being oppressed, their human rights are being abused, their political uh, uh, freedoms are being taken, and the European Union supports this regime, which acts totally opposite everything which Europe makes face as if it belong as if it believes it. It believes mm -hmm. in human rights in Europe or in uh, to the Palestinians. But when it comes to 80 million Iranians, the European the Europeans couldn't care less as long as their money and investments are insured. Mm. They actually they, they, they actually sacrifice the Iranian people on the altar of the European investments in Iran. And this is unfortunately the situation today in, uh, in Iran because the, the group of countries which could uh, convince the Iranians to give up on some of their problems, which the, the European Union definitely has, has a way how to convince the, the Iranians. They never did it. The, the Chinese are on the contrary, are supporters of the, of the Iranian regime because uh, the Iranian oil and gas, large part of it goes to China because China needs energy. And unfortunately, this is the situation today. Israel can talk to China, Israel can talk to the Russians, but I'm not sure that these countries uh, are uh, willing to sacrifice their relations with Iran, with Iran, with Iran on the altar of uh, the survivability of the state of Israel. Uh, don't forget that the Russians today are trying to sell um, a, a, a nuclear power station to the Iranians and to get $30 billion up for it. And they will, they do not want to uh, make the Iranians angry at them mm -hmm. because they want the Iranians' uh, goodwill to buy this nuclear power station. So here, personal accounts, uh, in, many, in many cases, uh, take the lead. Mm -hmm. Wow. Well, listen, a very uh, sobering account, uh, Dr. Kadar. I, uh, I look forward to uh, chatting with you in the future. Thank you so much for your time today. My pleasure, my honor. Chag Sameach. Happy, Pass happy Passover. And uh, we are optimistic here in Israel. And this is the issue. Uh, investments, prices of real estate are rocketing up. And because everybody here is very optimistic. I don't know what causes this optimism, but this is a situation. And uh, let's hope that this optimist, opt optimism will not be in vain. Wonderful. Well, thank you very much again. Thank you so much. And that's today's edition of the Honest Report podcast. If you haven't done so already, please subscribe to our alerts, subscribe to our podcast, leave a review. And if you like what you heard, please consider a donation to support our continued efforts. You can do so at honestreporting.ca slash donate. And until next time, thank you so much for listening.